If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Motorcast, the official Motorhead podcast. Um, I'm your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer with UK thrash band Acid Rain or from my heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks. Uh, Wherever you're listening to this, you will see my name is highlighted in the podcast description. Click that and that's a link through to all of the podcasts, over a hundred that I've done with the great and the good of heavy metal. But anyway, here I am your guide through this virtual museum that we've built of interviews called The Motorcast. Um, I am going to take you through the world of Motorhead as we know it, introduce you to new people every podcast, and hear some new stories and some new sides and new opinions. Um, It's all been really great fun. It's great to have you here. If you subscribed, brilliant. If not, please click subscribe on whatever device you're listening to this. There'll be a subscribe button. Hit that, subscribe to the podcast, show us a bit of support. That's all we ask. Every episode will come straight to you as soon as it's released. So this week, no different. We have a a great interview that I really enjoyed doing. I mean, that's very cheeky of me to say already, but um, well, hopefully you will enjoy listening to this as much as I did doing it. Um, this is with Pascal Cooper, who was Lemmy's longtime personal bootmaker. We've all seen those famous boots all over the place. So here to talk about how they met, how they became friends, and the whole nine yards, Pascal Cooper. I was never lucky enough to, to meet the man, but he seemed, it seems like he was a genuine one-off. Very, very... Uh, there, there was no... Uh, how to say it? There was no uh, 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 professional side and personal side. He was him. <laughs> you know, that was you know you, he, he, that was him. My father's a day. He was that guy. Yeah, yeah. And um, and one thing that's uh, become apparent speaking to everybody is that um, once once you were kind of uh, you were in with Lemmy, that was it. You, you know, once you were in that inner circle, you you were in, and he looked after you. Yeah, I mean. Um, I found out I was in the in the circle after he passed. Oh no! Oh. I was a guy. Uh, I was a guy who made. He ordered boots. I made the boots. I delivered them. We hung out. We were friends, and uh, but I never considered myself to be in the circle. And it's uh, I, you know it's after he was gone that I realized like you know the you know the circle came to me. I always thought I was just, you know, like the, the guy who made the boots and I was that. I didn't know I was in and I was. So it's, it's um, it, it, it was a little difficult to yeah. find out because, um, like, I mean, you know. I, I, can, I can imagine, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and when did you, I mean, let, let's go back to the beginning. I mean, not, not sure. how did, how did you first start making boots for him? Did you, did you meet him first or did he see a pair of boots? How did it happen? It's actually, it's, it's a very, it's, it's like any other, like any other story, every, every person that you meet in life, nine times out of 10, you meet through someone else. And, uh, you know, the thing is, you know, in LA, just on a bigger scale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, right. uh, so I used to, um, uh, I know this lady who is, uh, her name is Sharon Lee. She's a country singer and a songwriter. 
And uh, one day, you know, we were talking, you know, and she goes, but by the way, what, what, you know, what, what do you do? Because we knew each other, but she didn't, you know, I knew she was a, a, a songwriter. I didn't, she didn't know what I did. And I told her, well, I'm a, I'm a custom bootmaker. And, uh, and she said, wow, you must be like, you know, super busy and super rich with all these movie stars and rock stars in L.A. And I told her, well, actually, because I, because I dealt with a lot of stars, I told her, well, not really, because uh, the great majority of stars want to be comped everything. Yeah, absolutely. Every, everywhere they go, doors open, panties drop, they get everything for free. <laughs> and... And 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 just like that, you know, I told her the only person who'd get a pair of comped boots from me would be Lemmy, Lemmy Kilmister. Yeah. And she goes, and she, you know, she she's a lovely lady. She's got, you know, she's got a a, a big uh, Southern American accent. <laughs> she goes, oh really? Well, I'll tell him. He's a friend of mine. Really? I'm like, yeah. And wow. She says, yeah, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the following day. The following day, my phone rings, and she's she's she, she's on the phone. She goes, "Were you serious when you said you'd make Lemmy a pair of boots?" I'm like, "Yes, I was." She goes, "Can I bring him now?" I'm like, <laughs> okay. And an hour later, he was in my shop getting his feet measured. Wow, it's that's literally amazing! Like, it happened in less than twenty-four hours. Wow, that's you brilliant. Know, yeah, I, I told her. I told her that it was like Friday, you know, Friday uh, afternoon. Yeah, and. Uh, Saturday early afternoon, she was he was in my garage, you know, hanging out and smoking and measuring his feet and just and uh, but the, he uh, he insisted on the, he wanted to pay and uh, and I'm I'm as stubborn as he is was and I told him no I just no I'm I'm uh, I said I'm comping you a pair of boots I'm comping you a pair of boots so before I I, I was even done with his first pair he uh, he had already ordered a second. Right. And uh, and I told him, you know, the thing is, you know, I'm going to make you the best fitting boots you ever had, and then I'll, I'll have you for life. And <laughs> we laughed about it, and that's what happened. Because after that, it was literally uh, I would deliver, I would bring a pair of boots to his house, and uh, he would order another pair. Wow! It was that cycle never stopped for 15 years. Yeah, I must hold I must hold the record of the most boots made for one person. Because <laughs> you know, and uh, he, but he was—he also was very generous. He, he gave some of his boots away. I'm yeah. running to people telling me, "I have a pair of your boots." I'm like, "I never met you. How did you manage that?" And now I know. When it happens, now I know that they—you know—they were fine of limits. Yeah. I mean, well, I—I I, I, <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw two pairs of um of of your your boots inverted commas or Lemmy's boots um. Because I I I sing in a band myself, and we were on tour last year, and we played a um we played a venue that um has a Motorhead bar, has an official Motorhead bar in it, and they had um two pairs of your boots in a in a in a in a glass case. So I it, saw, yeah, I saw that. It's yeah, I think it was uh, you know Motorhead beer. They uh, they had posted that on their Instagram, you know, a pair of the boots under a, you know under a glass uh, you know under a glass bell or something like that, you know, they in a, in a glass uh, window. It was pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool. It uh, makes me makes me feel pretty happy. Well, as a as as a bootmaker, that must be um, that that must not be something you saw in your career coming. You know, one day your your boots will be in a glass case like a you know like a museum exhibit. No. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's never something I ever you know you know imagine would ever happen. You yeah. know, just you know, I mean, when I started, I just wanted to know if you know, can I even put a pair of boots together? You know, and and I did, and I was in '96, and then it just steamrolled into what it is today. So what? It's, so uh, in, at what point in your at what point in your career did you um um did you bump into Lemmy then? How you know what year would that have been? It was late 1999. Right. Okay. So it, that was kind of that. Early in early in your career, so a, a great name to have on on the roster, as it were. Yes, and at the time, you know, that was the uh, well, what was interesting is uh, a lot of people didn't even know Motorhead out here, right? You know? uh, and it's uh, and it's uh, you know uh, uh, with time, you know, and uh, with uh, the documentary that was made in two thousand and eight uh, by uh, Greg and uh, um, uh, all. Greg Oliver and Wes Olszewski, I think. Yeah. Olszewski. You know, uh, you know, I forgot his, uh, I'm not good on, uh, on, on his name, but yeah, that, that documentary certainly put, you know, like uh, Lemmy and Motorhead on the map a lot more than, you know, it made, it made them known to the public at large. While before that, it was just really like, you know, it's like the, it was like the true blue rocker to knew about, about them. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More of a um, more of an underground sort of cult thing. But oh, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, you'd see rappers with a Motorhead T-shirt, and you're like, I bet you the farm. You don't even know who they are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was cool. It was really grateful. You know, uh, I remember because it was. Um, you know, you were part of something like this underground thing that, you know, you were a Motorhead fan and, you know, it's like there were other ones. And if you had the pin or something like that, some, you know, you'd see somebody like give you a, a little wink, like, yeah, they saw your pin, they give you a wink. It's like, it's like you know, like, like this kind of like underground gang. It's like, yeah, it was interesting. A funny thing happened to me once. And uh, um, I was at the 7-Eleven. So it's a quarter convenience store here in the States. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I still smoked at the time. And uh, uh, every cigarette looks like candy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you about smoking with Levy. Oh and, yes, please um, do. So I'm, I'm, buy, I'm buying a pack of cigarettes, and this little, I had a, a, a patch that Levy gave me, and uh, you know he, he gave me that patch. He goes, "This is like this is a special one. This is like the the family patch." It's like you know, I'm like, oh, "Okay, you know, so, okay." So I had this patch on my cut. I'm buying my cigarettes, and this little sawed-off guy, like five foot five, little guy, you know, uh, English. Uh, hey, hey, hey hang on. careful now. I'm English, and I'm five foot five. Oh yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no I could tell by his, I could tell by his yeah. accent he was English, and he walks up to me, you know, and, and I'm six foot one, you know, and he's English, right, you know, yeah. like, and he points at the patch, like literally, like pokes me in the chest. It's like, mm, what the fuck did you get this? <laughs> I'm like. I'm like, was a gift? A gift from who? I'm like, a friend. And he goes, what's his name? I go, his name is Ian. <laughs> and the guy looks at me, and he looks at me, and, and he goes, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and by then, I, I realized he, and I, told, and I told him, I'm the guy who makes the boots. And I was like, Oh, that's you! <laughs> so they, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you know, he was really, really nice. But yeah. it was very interesting how that guy was like, really, like, had I not been, he would have cut the thing off my chest. <laughs> that was pretty... That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's when I realized, it's like, oh, shit, I'm part of a gang. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You're part of a secret society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an, an interesting episode. And I was with a, uh, uh, I was with a friend of mine who was like, he told me later, he was like, I thought literally it, was, it might have turned into a brawl. Yeah. From the way he approached you. And he goes, even the, even the, the, the girl at the counter, goes, her hand went directly under... Under the counter, maybe they had like a penny button. They were gonna have a fight. Brilliant, brilliant. That was pretty. That was pretty funny. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, everybody in the you know in the in the Motorhead, uh, you know the 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 obviously the, the, the crew, the family, the gang, whatever. Everybody super nice always. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a big loss. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I can kind of hear it in your voice. It's um, you still miss him, right? Very much. Yeah, very, very much. You know, because we we were we got super tight. I mean, I put I put his ashes in, in his grave. Wow, wow. You know, yeah. and uh, must, it, it was a, been hard. I mean, it, you know, it's not like Pascal put the ashes. It's not how it worked. Um, Cheryl, his girlfriend, was going to put the, uh, the, the the urn in the grave, and uh, she had been up for days because you know she was completely distraught, and she was sitting right next to me, and she got up and uh, she grabbed the urn, and the urn was actually quite heavy, and uh, it was you know it was shaped it was in the shape of his hat, and it was you know it was a pretty heavy thing, and she nearly dropped it, so I just jumped in and you know yeah. grabbed it and you know. I held it, you know, I carried it with her holding it and we went and because it was heavy, I'm, I'm the one who put it in the grave and I've, you know, it's like, because it's really low, it's pretty much like ground level and I was on my knees and I put that, that thing, I put the urn in the, in the, in the vault and, uh, I mean, what I had was the, the, the soundtrack of my life, really from, you know, I discovered them when I was nine years old. And it was just, you know, that, that, that was the soundtrack of my life. And, um, and I, you know, I was on my knees. I put the thing in. And, uh, and when I got up, it just, like, hit me. Like, I'm old. It's over. The youth, youth is behind me. I'm an old guy now. Yeah. Because it's like, as long as, as long as they were, you know, the, 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 I can't listen to them anymore. Really? Hearing the voice. Hearing the voice. Because yeah. for everybody, Lemmy's voice is like, yeah, yeah, fuck off, you know, it's like, you know, that's Lemmy's voice. And, uh, and over the years, it became, you know, my buddy, yeah. you know, spend, I would spend hours upon hours sitting on his couch, watching Monty Python and listening to Abba and the Bee Gees and the Yardbirds, you know, stuff, you know, it's a, I would go there. I knew, I, I knew when I went, I never knew when I came back. Because he's, oh, yeah, wait, you got to see this. You got to listen to that. It's like, I got this new book. And, and it, I'd be there for, you know. I remember one day going there. I got, I brought him his boots at about like one in the afternoon. And uh, uh, at about 11 at night, he was hungry and decided to go to the rainbow. Okay. I had spent literally like 10 hours sitting on the couch just bullshitting with him, you know, just talking about all the you know, various things. But I'm a history buff also. Oh, so we had, come, right. yeah. So yeah, uh, we had like really deep historical conversations, and he and he told me one day he goes, you know what, you know, you're the only person I've ever been able to have these kind of conversations with. And I'm like, well, 
same thing for me. And uh, of course, because we had like this, that sense of humor, you see. And when I'm gone, you'll be all alone. <laughs> like, and, uh, and yeah, it was right. It's, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, can't, I can't listen to Motorhead anymore. That's, that really sucks. I never yeah. thought that would ever happen to me, but I cannot hear that voice. Because um, it just brings bring back everything. Do you think? Do you think there will come a time where you'll be, where you will be able to listen again? I hope so. It's been five years. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's it's still not very long, though, is it? Five years. It's it's no, it goes fast. As you get old, as you know, I'm an I'm an old guy. As you get old, time moves faster. Oh yeah. And five, and you know, it's like I realized it's like you know, it's been gone. It's been gone five years, actually six, and it's it's still an open wound. Yeah, uh, and uh, and we became really really like friends. I mean, I don't know how many people that happens to. You know? Yeah, you know, to, uh, I, I met my boyhood idol. It did not turn out to be a rotten cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet he, I bet he liked that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we, oh, we argued like oh, it was always there was always something. Because you know he was very specific about boot wise. Now we're gonna jump in like that. Oh, it's yeah. okay, mate. All over the place. As things come back, we just go with them. Yes. Uh, so he was very specific in what he wanted, and he he drew very well. Yeah. You know, he he had a really you know he drew very well, and, and so he would give me sketches of what he wanted his boots to be, and I'd be like, well, there are mechanical aspects that this will not work. Be, for this reason or that reason, there's a scene there. I cannot do it there because there's, there's got to be a scene there. The design would be cut. You know? yeah. So, uh, so I, he would argue with me a lot. I'm like, I can do that instead, and you would get what you want, and you still have a solid boot. And you know, and eventually, he would just like give me a rough sketch and just make it happen. You know what? You know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember telling him one day, I don't tell you how to write songs. You don't tell me how to write, how to make boots. But he was really into craftsmanship. So, um, uh, uh, you know, when he came to my, when he came to my shop the first time, he was really into like, so how does it work? What, how, how does it go from flat leather to finished boot? And, you know, and I kind of like explained to him like step by step the whole, uh, the whole process. And he was really, really interested in it and, uh, and retained I would say a good eighty percent of it. Wow! Like, yeah, that was pretty. He was uh, he was very into uh, uh, craftsmanship and like you know uh, handmade things. Well, he was, was uh, he was a craftsman. He was a craftsman him, uh, himself, wasn't he? Except he was he was a musical craftsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, it was that uh, was great. I'd go to uh, his house and he was he had like like notebooks, the, the, you know, the yellow legal pad. Yeah, you know, all over the place, and with lyrics, I bet you I read, I read, uh, uh, I read lyrics of songs that that probably were never recorded, were never written. There was never any music put to them because he, he would write lyrics and just pass, give it to me like, hey, what do you think of this? You know, and uh, you know, and so I read stuff. I read lyrics of songs that I'm I'm sure were never recorded. Wow, same, that's amazing. Same thing I heard. I heard uh, uh, eight songs of his solo album. Oh. When is that ever going to come out? Right. Okay. That's amazing. You know, 
Yeah, I wrote, yeah, I heard because I asked him. What was it like? You know, it's like when, when, when is your solo album ever going to come out? And he told me, uh, you know, oh, I have, uh, you know, I, you you heard the eight songs I'm, I have. I'm like, yeah. And, and, so when is that going to come out? He goes, when I have ten or twelve. And uh, and and it didn't happen. So I have no idea where these recordings went, but I heard them. The yeah. the ones with the Reverend Horton Heat. Yeah. The ones with uh, 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 the Damned. What was it yeah, like? What what did it what did it sound like? Well, it's it sounded like Motorhead with a stand up bass. That's the thing is what <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> really because Jim, Jimbo, the, the, the bass player of the Reverend Orton Heat, the guy is a machine gun. I mean I don't know if you're familiar with him, but as far as stand up bass goes, it's like him and Lee Rocker, but I think Jimbo is just like Fast and precise, and hits, 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 hits. It's, it's eerie. It sounds like a machine gun when he plays the bass, and that really was really, really. That was great. I really liked it. And um, this other great song uh, with the uh, with the saxophone in it, very sixties crooner kind of thing, yeah. like big, like big rock band kind of thing. It, it it was really, really great. And you know, it's like I don't know if it's. It's ever going to be released? Probably, who knows? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, that's a historical musical artifact, isn't it? It's, it's, it's got to come out, yeah. surely. Yeah, because the, the the stuff he did with the Reverend Horton Heat, I think they did it in Austin. The big crooner song was recorded in Berlin. He told me how they got the saxophone player at something at two in the morning, because <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's like you know, you, they were recording. He was recording the lyrics of that song. With the uh, with the producer, it was not uh, Cameron because you know Cameron works here, and uh, you know, and he goes, you know what would be great? Is like some, some saxophone, and the guy goes, oh, I have a guy, I, I, we can call him right now. He lives nearby. He'll, he'll be right over. It's, like, it's two in the morning, he, he took, and he told me he goes, he, he called him. He was he was over in fifteen minutes. Wow! And he did. <laughs> you know, he listened to the song, and he goes, you know, just. Playing, you know, playing what you think would fit that song, and the, you know, the guy played it, and he told me it really wasn't that. It's not really what I was, you know, imagining. Yeah. And uh, and he goes, I told him, hey, imagine Dwayne Eddy. The guy's like Dwayne Eddy. He goes like, okay. And he goes, and he went back in the booth, and in one take, it yeah. was perfect. Brilliant. It was exact. And when you hear that song, it's like. This this must have taken days to write and record, and it was done like this. Great songs are usually written fast. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Absolutely, they just they they if flow. You over, if you overthink stuff, always it becomes like you know like pedantic and pompous. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, you know, it's it's um, what's that um, what's that old phrase? Um, um, uh, paralysis by analysis. You know, yes, you, you, exactly. you don't get anywhere quickly and just 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 let you it go. The thing is, if you get it out, you can play with it or fix it later, whatever. Just get it out, get it down, whatever it is. If you, yeah. If you start it, it, anything in life, if you start overthinking things, then all you do is think and you never do anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and in the end, you know, and if you do apply that to everything you do in your life, basically your life has become a, the rehearsal of a show that will never happen. <laughs> that's a very very good <laughs> phrase yeah life life's what happens while you're making plans yes yeah exactly while you're planning something else that's yeah. exactly what happens yeah um 
I'm, a, yeah, I'm, no, I'm the no. same. I'm the same. I'm a big believer in deadlines. None of, none of this, oh, it was great. We had no deadline. No, have a deadline. You need to deliver yeah. it by then. Get it, do this. Yeah, get it done. Yeah, and and, and creatives, you know, we're you know creatives, we're 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 terrible at uh, procrastinating and 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 taking you know taking too long. You've got yeah, to, I, you know, you've got to do it. You've got to get on with it. I I am lucky in the sense that you know I always have like you know a, uh, every morning I get up and I'm like okay I'm going to do this this and this today, and it it will be done. I do that. I put I put these lines on myself to be productive every day. There's a uh, Sometimes you do better than others, but you can always come back and redo what you did. You know, I mean, it, when inspiration is there, I mean, I've had days where I've, I've been sitting at my bench over the machine for 12, 14 hours straight. So inspiration is there, so you got to capitalize on it, you know? Yeah. It's uh, uh, when inspiration strikes, just be there. And, you know, Dolly Parton wrote, I will always love you and Jolene the same day. <laughs> when you're on a roll, when you're on a roll, you're on a roll, right? Yeah, it's like when inspiration is is here, you jump, you jump on it, and that's, yeah. how, that's always been my thing. She wrote these two songs the same day, so if Dolly, if it's good enough for Dolly, it's good enough for me. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, that's, that's a great lesson. That's a great lesson. It really yeah. is, and. Um, uh, and that sounds a lot. That sounds a lot like um, sounds a lot like Lemmy as well. From what I've picked up from various people, who all said like, you know, strike while the iron's hot. You know, get get on with it. Get in there. Get it done. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Get things done. Exactly. It's uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's how you get things done by doing them. Yes. You should yes. fuck up, come back and fix it, but do something. You know, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it was um, yeah. Uh, the the the. The endless conversations were absolutely epic. We had this, uh, I, sm I still smoked back then. Well, I'll tell you, when I broke his heart, I broke his heart. You broke his he heart? How do you manage that? I broke his heart. I, 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 he told me, I'm crushed. I'm like, what? I had this, I don't drink anymore, but I had this capacity to consume unbelievable amounts of alcohol and be okay. Right. And, and one day I quit drinking, and when I told him that, he's like, you're the only one that can drink with me. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> he goes, no one can follow me. You're the first one ever. I'm like, yeah, I just, <laughs> but because, it, you know, it's very easy to fall in the, because alcohol, I could consume so much, it's very easy to fall into the, and now that's all you do. Yes. So, uh, you, know, I, you know, I just, uh, I ejected at the right time, but that, he, he took it back. <laughs> 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 he used to he used to light up two cigarettes and give me one. Right. That was the reason. He just light up two, give me one. And uh, so, you know, what I do, uh, I didn't do this year because I had COVID. Uh, on his birthday, I go to his grave and I, I light up two cigarettes and put them in there and smoke the other. Oh. Even though I don't smoke it, even though, even though I don't smoke anymore, I, oh. do, I do it once a year. But that's, 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 that's beautiful, man. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, what, you, he, uh, that's what he'd want you to do. You ever been to his grave? No, unfortunately, I haven't. Uh, I've, I've never it, been to. I've never been to LA. I plan to, but uh, I'm yet to make it. Oh, oh, let me know. I'll take you there. It'd be great. Oh, it'd be great. I'd be, I'd be happy to take you there. Because it's it's always an adventure. Because there's always a bottle of whiskey there, some guitar picks, some stickers of some band, all of that. It's like it's. It, it, I mean, it's a really nice cemetery. You know, it's like it's, it's, it's even like in a, like an almost private part of it. Yeah. But you know that yeah, this is not anybody's grave. There's always a bottle of cigarettes. You know, That's brilliant. Like that 
and it's uh, directly facing Ronnie James Dio. Oh man, now that yeah, now, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like uh, like when uh, uh, Mrs. Dio, I think uh, when I think her name is Wendy. I met her at Lenny's yes. funeral. Very nice lady, you know, and uh, and she told me she's like, yeah, they can now, now they can argue. Because <laughs> 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 you can see one from the other, they are directly facing each other. Yeah, before. yeah, because they were they yeah. were they were both both very strong-willed characters and very firm in their in their beliefs. I never met Ronnie. Uh, I never met Ronnie Dio, but I, I've always heard like, yeah, he was you know in 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 their organization, he was the boss, and what he said went. That yeah. was uh, you know like Lemmy told me because apparently Ronnie James Dio was a short guy. I've never met him. Yes, but uh, Lemmy told me one day like uh, you know, he makes he, he makes up he makes up for. He makes up in attitude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet, and, I, and I bet he admired that as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've always heard great stuff about uh, about Ronnie Dio, uh, but it was uh, and Phil and Mickey were great, and Todd was great, and you know, everybody in the Motorhead organization was really, really cool, really nice people. Yeah, because that, and, uh, that's the thing as well, isn't it? Because when you know when you lost when when you lost Lemmy, when we all lost it. You lost all of that as well. That whole, that whole traveling circus that would be that would come through every you know every eighteen months, two years. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me it was like you know, I knew when Lenny was in town, because all of a sudden he would you know he'd be texting me. But uh, we had like a, we, there there was something strange. Also, we had like a strange connection. We would finish each other each other's sentences, or just look at each other, and we knew. It's just like a strange thing. I, I went through a very hard uh, uh, moment in my life, uh, 2009, something really dark. And uh, uh, and he texted me. He was on the road. He was in Germany. And uh, he, he, he was on the road and he texted me, uh, asking me, uh, because I was making a pair of boots for him and he was going to be in L.A. Uh, it was in September uh, 2009 and they were going to be in L.A. in October. And uh, and he asked me, do you think my boots are going to be ready uh, by the time we come to, you know, come to L.A.? I'm like... Uh, and I told him yes, but I, I told him something also, you know, it was not just yes. And he knew something, in a text message, he knew something was not right. Yeah. And he, and he texted me immediately, again, and with what's wrong. You know, and, uh, you know, I explained a couple of things, you know, and, uh, and he told me, you want to come on the road with us? Because I can, I can, I can have you uh, on a plane first thing in the morning. Just come, come spend a couple of weeks on the road with us. He's like, okay, well, my cats need me. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, that was, that was the thing. He was that guy. He would have flown me. He would have flown me to Germany to be on the bus with them. Yeah. You know, and everything. And it's like, uh, and uh, do you know what it cost? Yeah. yeah that would have yeah, taken that's... out of, that's the thing. It, it, it would have been out of his pocket. Yeah. And he, he did not hesitate. And I'm like, you know, what it costs to have a, a, a person on the road, it's, it's hotels, it's restaurants, it's this, blah, blah. Yeah. It's all these things. And it's, the money has to come out of, it's got to come from somewhere. It wouldn't be out of his pocket. But, but, as, you so, know, um, but as you know, it, he, he, he didn't care about money, did he? It, 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 just no. was, it just wasn't a thing. Not at all. Not at all. He always told me, when you die, because I'm, I'm very thrifty, I grew up very poor. I came to the States and I became homeless. Uh, so I have this thing in the back of my head that every dollar I make could be the last one. Tomorrow, it could all end. Yeah. If tomorrow people decide they don't want to buy boots from me anymore, it's over. Yeah. I go back to be a, I go back to be a hobo. And, uh, you know, and so I, I you know, 
he would be like, oh, this is great. You should get this. I'm like, that's too much. I'm not buying that. He's like, oh, but you should. I'm like, no, no, I got I've saved my money. And uh, he told me one day, he goes, when you die, make sure you get buried. Make sure you get buried near me. I'm like, why? He goes, so I can laugh at you. You'll be the richest guy in the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, that's yeah, brilliant. Great, great times. Yeah. Great, great, great times. And uh, yeah, it was just. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing, though, when you're saying that that you know that that offer to fly you out because if if you were um you know if you're if you're a, a friend and and your friend is down the street and they're in trouble you you know you you go and you go down to see them but yeah. when you're but when you're a you know when you're a rock god and you're on the road instead the equivalent is well I'll fly you out here yeah I'll because, fly you out here yeah, because you 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 need to be. You need to be around yeah. people who understand. It, it's a, it, it's, 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 you know, I always tell people, you know, it's, when you went to see Motorhead, you didn't see Motorhead. You saw the work of 21 people. Motorhead on the road was 21 people. Yeah. You see three of them. There's 18 others. And uh, if for a, for a reason something happens and the show cannot be played, these people are on the road. They have to... They get paid, they get their per diem, and you know, it's like the, the, the money counter oh, yeah. keeps, roll, it keeps, yeah. keeps rolling. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that, and yeah. this is why, you know, that's why I realized one day I saw him, uh, I was at his house and he was sick. That was before he got, like, you know, that was in the early days, like around 2003, something like that. And he was, you know, he, he had a, he had the flu, he had a bad cold that had turned into the flu, you know, and he was leaving the following day to go play. I'm like, are you sure you can? I'm sure I can't, but I have to. Yeah. You got to go. Like, you, you yeah. got to go. These people, I bought it. These, these people bought tickets and they expect to see a show. And this is, you know, this is what you're going to get. And uh, when, um, in 2013, when they had to cancel the, the tour, I, that's one time I saw Lenny tearing up. Very few people can say they saw that. I saw it. I saw him mad as a hornet. And I saw him tearing up when, uh, in 2013 when the summer tour, European tour, had to be canceled because of his health. And, uh, and they issued the standard, like, you know, like the tickets would be reimbursed. And, you know, people can get their money back on the tickets. And he told me, and no one did. Because wow. nobody asked for their money back. And he was tearing up. Wow. But that's... So we, we, we got get well messages. We'll see you when, you, when you're better. Nobody yeah. came back and asked for their money, and he was tearing up. But, but you know what? That's 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 payback for all of those years of never cancelling, of always signing autographs, of always being polite, and never telling anyone no, and and always going that extra mile. And you know, the one thing that I that I hear, especially from um, uh, Alan Hungerford, who was um, who was um, uh, Lemmy's. Uh, personal assistant for quite a few years he was saying if there was if there was 200 kids stood outside the bus with records to sign then you were then you were up all night every single one <laughs> of their records yeah. was getting signed yeah. yeah i said one, yeah, you know, the... you, you'd literally have like you know you'd have you'd have people coming on the bus get autographs and then get a, and then get off at the back the, you know the back door I and mean, it literally yeah. be like you know the old, a circle. The old family line that forms itself yeah yeah a, i remember uh, I remember going to uh, having to have dinner with him, uh, Cheryl, and Paul. Uh, you know, we went to have dinner at the Rainbow, of course, because you know, 
There's no other bar or restaurant in LA. Yeah, 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 obviously. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you something really funny about that. And uh, so we're sitting at the Rainbow, you know, place your order, you know, and they bring you your food. You know, and of course, um, everybody comes to ask for an autograph and take a picture with it. And I have manners. I'm waiting until everybody gets their food to, you know, until they stop eating. And it's directly across from me. At the table, and he goes, "If you wait for me, it's gonna get cold." Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just go, <laughs> just, yeah. just eat, because he nap, he took, he, he got to take maybe two bites out of his plate. But it, uh, yeah, people were just coming to ask uh, for autographs and pictures, and yes, yes, every time. Yeah, uh, and I, that's when I was like, "Wow!" He told me I would, I would have made a very shitty rock. Is the, is the? Uh, I had two people tell me that, him and G. Snyder. They both told me you would have made an absolutely horrible box. You're always on time. You're yeah. always on time. You expect everyone to be on time. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and you can and you can't have that in that in that line. Absolutely. But, so, so do you make uh, do you make D's boots as well? No, I made motorcycle seats for D. Right. I, made, uh, two, I, I think I made two seats for him, maybe three. I, last time I saw D was at uh, um, at Lemisure. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, D's, you know, D would say himself they he uh, he owes owes his a, a large part yeah. of his career to to Lemmy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Basically, uh, twisted twisted sister became twisted twisted sister because of Lemmy because it was like yeah. a strange time where you had to be. It was very strange. American labels would not sign you know a, a band unless they had like some sort of following in England. Like England weighed a lot in rock and roll back then, and um, and because they had conquered conquered England, you know, with the help of Lenny, you know, he always told me that was one thing that all of a sudden they were able to have like a really to have a good recording contract in with an American company with a major label. Yeah, because yeah. uh, you know, he, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, he, he, he told me a funny one how like one of their early early gigs was the Reading Festival. And I mean, like, you know, and he told me it's like uh, Anvil, Canadian band Anvil. Yeah, yeah. They had been literally like bottled off the stage because, like, in, in England, people are, you know, oh, fucking ruthless. That, that, that happened just, all the time back then. Yeah. You know, it's like, and this is a festival. You may not like this band, but your band comes after. You don't have to be a dick to these guys. I don't, I don't get you guys. But anyway, <laughs> so he was telling me Anvil had been pretty much like bottled off the stage. Because uh, one of the guys had like some sort of like uh, like fishnet stocking on his arm or something like that. It's like you know everybody was like, "Ooh, no, yeah, pull that," and just like <laughs> chucking bottles at them. And and he he, uh, he told me how um, the guys in the band were like, "Shit, look at them. they got bottled up the stage. Look at us, you know." And uh, and he was like, "No, no, no." They were considering actually taking off the war paint and just wearing the denim. And doing jeans and then cut. Yeah. But uh, you know that's what the band was saying, and G was like, no. And uh, and Lemmy said, okay, I'll, I'll introduce you. Yeah. And he went on stage for the whole Reading crowd, just alone at the mic, and went, hey, these are Twisted Sisters, these are friends of mine from England. Give them a listen. And he goes, and we just fucking ran on stage and did a torching set, and and the machine started grinding forward, and they became. Yeah, and that's and 
yeah, the 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 power the power of Lemmy. You know, Motorhead is basically a band about speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, you know, uh, uh, Motorhead apparently is what back in the days in the seventies. That's what in America they were called in speed freaks. Yes. Yeah. You know, you were. That's where. That's what the name. That's where the name comes from. So yeah. Yeah, you know, he, uh, I never saw, you know, he was not a weak guy. Yeah. Uh, we talked yeah. about it. It was like, you know, like drugs should be energizing. Yeah, yeah. You should, you, you should, uh, you should take drugs that make you live more, not sleep more. Yeah. You know, so he was definitely, he was a speed guy. I, I don't I think, know a guy once. I don't think anybody lived more than Lemmy. Yeah, I remember in 2013 when he got really sick, when they were recording uh, Aftershock. He, uh, he called me. He goes, "Hey, you know we're at the SIR studios, and uh, you know, come down, listen to the, come down, listen to the final mix." I'm like, "Oh yeah," because my keen ear is going to tell Cameron, "Oh, you're a bit more snare on the second, you know, yeah, on, on the second bar, raise the snare." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, you need, you need my ear." <laughs> yeah. So I, I went down there and listened, listened to uh, to the new album. Uh, you know, it was after Shock. It was 2013. And um, there was a, uh, a, a little room aside from the studio, very small room, you know, just, uh, you know, a couch and a table. And, um, and that's, that was right after they had canceled the summer tour. And uh, so I was in that room, just him and me for a good 20 minutes, you know, which compared to the afternoon that would spend on his couch, this, you know, the fact that we were in the studio, it was it's madness. And we had like 20 minutes just the two of us because the room is also insulated. So, you know, even though the, the, the one of the walls is all glass, it's this thick. Yeah. And nobody could, you know, hear a word we said. And, uh, and he was sick. He was not well at all. And uh, the conversation was all about acting. Right. You know, and it was a very strange conversation. All he talked about was death and acting. After Morgan, and he was telling me, uh, we, we're a lot of time and energy in this record because uh, he, he, had, he had the feeling that at that moment, he had the feeling it could be the last. It probably was going to be the last one. Right. And, uh, and at one time, you know, when you know, we got up, and he got up and he was like, oh, you know, and I, you know, I grabbed him before he fell, you know, and he was like, and he told me, I'm weak as a kitten. I'm like, just sit down. Sit down. He had a drink, you know, and, and he looked at me with that, like, that lightning bolt in the eye. And he goes, I'm paying the price for the life that I, li- that I lived. <laughs> and he goes, and I enjoyed every minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was like, you know, uh, he told me that day, he goes, you know, it's going to be harder on you than on me. Because, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll still be living. I'm not going to be around, so don't let it bother you that much. It's, it's always harder, Remember, it's people, always harder yeah. for the ones who are left behind. Yeah, you uh, you know, you, you live the life of the lives of 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a guy who lived 70 years at a pace that kills people at 40. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, how he lasted that long, the way he lived is... a. The guy was, he was, I mean, he was built like with rocks. I don't know, he was not born, he was cat or forged. I don't know, it's, uh, 
Well, I, I, I mean, give, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example. My um, uh, my father was the same age as Lemmy when he died, and my father mm-hmm. uh, my father stopped smoking about thirty years previously. Hardly drank alcohol, um, li- you know, li- lived a very clean life, and lived yeah. the, uh, and 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 was on this earth the same amount of time as Lemmy, you know. So oh yeah, it's it's genetic. It's incredible. I'm, yes, exactly. It's yeah, genetic. I'm, I remember one day he was, uh, you know, uh, have you ever, you ever fly first class on Virgin? <laughs> no, I've never flown first class I anywhere. Haven't, <laughs> I haven't, but they have this, you know, it's like I, I, I'm told that when you fly, when you fly, uh, when you fly first class, you, you get a good meal and they even give you like little, you know, like uh, you get like a real napkin, not a piece of paper, and, you know, you get your real, and you have little salt and pepper, uh, salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. And he had a, yeah, they, they were like a plastic, but to look like gold, you know. And it's two little airplane, salt and pepper. And on the bottom of it is written, pinched from Virgin Airlines. Because everybody steals them. Right. <laughs> so he, he had a set of those. Good. And uh, he had a set of those, you know, salt and pepper uh, thing pinched from Virgin Airlines. And also you get like the Virgin Airlines magazine, which they encourage for you to do. And... Uh, I was going to his house and he goes, oh, I saved this for you. This article, read that, you're going to love it. And it was a true article about two, uh, two English guys who were twins. And during, uh, during the, the, the bombing campaigns of World War II, the, English, the British government took the children from the cities to take, put them in the countryside yeah. because the cities were being... Yeah. And these two twins... Okay, so these two twin boys, their parents died in the bombing. And somehow they got separated, and they never saw each other again. And the article was about all that story, and one of them became a health nut. Ran 10 miles a day, never smoked, never drank, never ate meat, just like perfect Mr. Health. The other one lived in a little village in Northern England where he became the town drunk. Right. And the article was very funny because they died two weeks apart. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can see why um, he would have enjoyed that, and you cl- you clearly both yeah. had the same kind of sense of humor as well. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's genetic, and uh, you know, yeah, my father was like, I never saw anybody smoke and drink more than my father, and I and I hung out with him. <laughs> I don't have a memory of my father without cigarettes in his hand. Like, no, he always had cigarettes. It's just you know that, that was, uh, but uh, you know, back to. Uh, but you, you uh, must have um, no. But you must have, you must have smoked and drunk with Lemmy. You know, that, a, a, a good a, a good few lifetimes. <laughs> a good few lifetimes. Yeah, yeah. I probably shaved a few. You know, I shaved a few years out of my life. But these are the the really one, the really bad ones at the very end. At the very end, yeah, absolutely, yeah. They don't matter. They don't we count. Can, we can spare those. <laughs> <I> can <laughs> check them out. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, um, yeah, and uh, all the collecting stuff also because uh, I collect World War One things, and he collected everything. Yeah, and um, and he gave me a, in my collection. I have many pieces that he gave me because uh, he uh, his uh, his collection was absolutely fantastic. I've been to museums that don't have nearly half of them, not even half of them. And he had uh, he was really into things that were like in pristine condition, never used. He even had like uh, some uh, cases. Uh, he had a, a few daggers that were 
sales rep samples. They were never even circulated. They were what sales rep were showing officers, oh, for this amount of money, you can have these fine dagger made for you. Wow. He had these yeah. samples. Yeah. Wow. I like shit that has been used. Yeah. And, you know, I want to, I like old bayonets because they are like a utilitarian thing and you see like they've been, they've been smashed, they've been bent, you know, it's like, you know, they've, you know, they've, uh, uh, yeah, they've seen action. That's the kind of stuff I like. And he, he was buying lots, total lots. And when there was stuff like that, he would just give it to me. So I have a few uh, uh, bayonets, mainly bayonets, that are pretty, uh, that are that are pretty cool. That have great history behind them. That were given to me, notably the mounted bayonet that was a standard. Yeah, but do you know what? For me, the, the for me, yes, that's an incredible piece of history, and yes, it's got an amazing story behind it. But do you know what? The most amazing part of that story is that Lemmy gave it to you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's like it's an incredible bayonet to start and yeah, yeah. Off, yeah. And this was in Lemmy's collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that layer on top of it as well. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It. Yeah. He was. Uh, yeah. He, he was super generous. Good times. Good times. And uh, oh, <laughs> oh, a funny thing that happened when they were uh, riding. Which album is it? Inferno? Which album is just before Inferno? Oh, now you're asking. I, my my brain is useless. The, the, the one with the, the gold, the one with the gold, uh, uh, black with the gold Motorhead logo. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Everybody listening will be will be like shouting yeah. at their speakers. Yeah, they're shouting like, ah! yeah. okay, yes, I'm a jackass. I, I remember everything. I forgot that one. Oh, please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> but... Something. They were recording. Uh, they, they were in the uh, in pre-production, so they were writing songs. And they were at that studio that is literally like walking distance from where I used to live. Right. And uh, and he calls me. He goes like, because LA is actually split into this LA Metro LA and what's called the Valley, which is the north side of the Hollywood Hills, and that's where you know, where I live. And they were at that studio called Leeds, which I don't believe exists anymore. Um. So he calls me. He's like. You live in the valley, my kid. He goes, you know where Leeds Studio is, my kid. He goes, we're here right now. Come by. I'm like, okay. You know, I walk there. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I get there, and there's you know, Phil and Mickey and uh, and, and Todd. That's the first time I met Todd actually. And um, they had uh, Lemmy was filming the Crowbot video the day before. All right. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, with Dave Grohl. Uh, she loved uh, Grohl. Yeah, and uh, so that, that's the day I met Todd. And so, you know, you have like a, a, a rehearsal room with the drum kit, the amps, and all of that, and a little side room with couches, tables, uh, you know, liquor, cartons of cigarettes, the whole, you know, the whole shebang, you know. And uh, so, you know, so he's in that room. I go there, and we start, you know, drinking and smoking and talking. And it's about three in the afternoon. And you know, and actually, you know, why, you know, Phil and Phil and Mickey are in the other in the other room and you can hear they're like tune in steady enough. You know, and uh, and I go, Okay, I, I gotta let you work. And he's like, no, no, don't worry, you know, there's this other thing I gotta sh- sh- tell you. And so he wouldn't it, very often he would not let me go. So I'm like, I guess no. I gotta let you work. You know, Phil and Mickey are gonna they're gonna be mad. It's like, no, nah, don't worry, they're fine, you know. And eventually, 
uh, you know, we, uh, we, we only hear the drum. I'm like, yes, see, Phil is, you know, and, you know, uh, I'm like, no, we only hear the drum, and we go out, and there's nobody. So we go in the hallway, and we go outside, and there's, and it, by, by then, it's dark. It's like nine in the evening. Right. And there's just the, the studio's receptionist, which is a very nice girl, and there's just the two of us and her. Right. And, and, and we're out. You know, we're out there, and we're like, what? because he was telling me, no, don't worry. You know, Mickey's still there because we could hear drumming, right? Yeah. And, when, you know, setting up a drum kit. It's not like playing drum, but setting yeah. up a drum kit. And we're like, so what? But we thought Mickey was, you know, and she told us, she goes, no, no, it's Sheila E. She's in the room next door to yours. <laughs> Sheila E was setting up her drum kit. And we thought it was Mickey. Oh, no. So Lemmy was telling me, don't worry, Mickey's still here. No, Mickey had left an hour ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so li- okay, so well, literally, uh, literally, they, they yeah, just, left. just spent the day waiting for I you to stop talking. Him, and, and, and eventually, Phil and Mickey got tired of waiting and went home. So <laughs> that's, why to this day, that's why to this day, I'm sure they hate me. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure that's not no, the case. No, because I, I ran into Mickey since, and uh, no, he was Because, you know, yeah, I mean, they were probably mad for, you know, until the following day. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, eventually, you know, we, yeah. we, both, we, we lost the same dear friend. Yes. So, you know, even if, even if you were mad at me 15 years ago, yeah, water under the bridge. Exactly. Well, so when was yeah. the um, and, and you know, look, I, I, this is a, a horrible question to ask, so I apologise in advance. But when's when's the last time you saw him? Last time I saw him uh, was the twenty twenty fourteen. Yes, twenty fourteen. Because uh, that's the last show. Oh, oh, that's an interesting tidbit. It's the last Motorhead show I saw, and I was on the side of the stage. Oh, that's and awesome. and I thought about it because the first time I saw them was in October '83, and um, I mean it was, you know, it's, uh, it's 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 the sticks, it's rural France. You know, it was in Clermont. It's a big city by French standards, not by American standards, but it's a sizable city. Yeah. And Motorhead played there, and it was general admission. So if you if you can wait two hours before the gates open. Then you go wait two hours when the gates open. You just make a beeline and you're in the front of the stage. Yeah. So, so I did. <laughs> I was 15 years old and I just they opened the gate and I took off and I just went and I parked myself, you know, stage left, right in front of you know Lenny. I almost, I almost caught the cigarette butt by the way, and <laughs> it almost hit me. And um, so my first Moonhead show, I was at the very front, front row, at the stage. Yeah. My last Motorhead show, I was on the side of this. I was on the stage at this. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's like, I've done that. It's, it's like, it makes a full circle, but it's like, yeah. Circle. yeah. It was a really big circle. And that's the last time, uh, yeah, because I used to buy my tickets. Oh my God, and then it's sure you Oh, I, could, I bet you did it just to wind him up, didn't you? No, no, no. <laughs> I bought my ticket because, you know, it's like, you give me business. Yeah. And I. And I return it by buying my ticket. It's like, and it was like, call Todd, 
call me or call Todd and get you on the list. I'm like, no. It's like, you know, it's like you have enough people on that list. It's like, no, he was curious that I was buying the ticket. I'm like, I want to see the show and I don't want to bother you. But eventually it got to the point where, you know, he told me, it's like every time we're in LA, I make sure that Todd puts you on the list. Show up if you want to stay. If you don't fuck off, but you'll be on the list. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I didn't go to the last show. I saw I saw so many Motorhead shows. I saw what is probably the best rock show that ever was. It was for the 30th anniversary at the Wheeltern at the at the Wheeltern in LA. I saw Motorhead countless times. I couldn't tell you how many times I saw them. That show, that night, there was something. Yeah. It's like magic in the air. Yeah, it's like sometimes the stars lined up just right, and yeah. that show was absolute. And I talked with people uh, who were at that show and told me that was just epic, just absolutely epic. Yeah, something there was something that night. There was a certain energy, maybe because maybe because the wheel turn is a very old place, it's got a lot of history behind it. Because you know, I I, I usually would go steam at the um, the palace was great, even though the sound was never right. Uh, the House of Blues also was great, but that night at the wheel turn, there was something really, really strange and special. And that show was absolutely etched in my memory. And everybody that was there that I that I talked to said the same thing. And they're all people who still because you never meet, you never meet the guy who saw Motorhead once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh yeah, Motorhead, yeah, I was really into them when I was in high school and then, you know, I graduated to Lady Gaga. It's like, no, I never met that guy. No, yeah. I met the guy with Motorhead tattoo on his neck. <laughs> it's, well, it's Motorhead for life, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's, yeah, like I said, you know, it's like I didn't know until one day I realized, shit, I'm in a gang. And that's the thing is when you're in a gang, it's to till the bitter end. And, uh, you know, I'm sure like if I ran into, you know, Tim Butcher or Dave, you know, uh, 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 Steve Luna, all these guys, It'd be like, it would be like nothing ever happened. It's just like we'd be back where we left off. Yeah. yeah. I really like Tim. Tim's a really, really nice guy. And uh, Steve Luna. Uh, all these guys. Well, we're almost, we've almost come, we've almost come right back to where we started talking about the, um, you know, the, the gang and the family and, um, uh, mm-hmm. and, and what yeah. that means. Um, and I know there's going to be some people listening who will probably be thinking, "Wow, I would love, I would love, I would love it to get a pair of boots made by Pascal." Um, how you know? Hey, is that actually possible? How do people get in touch with you? You, you just go to my Instagram, which is uh, Hollywood Riffraff, or you just you know you type uh, Pascal Pascal boots. I pop up, you know, but I'm, Instagram is the easiest one. Okay, uh, cool. Hollywood Riffraff. That's the easiest one. And okay, so everybody knows I will not copy Lenny's boots. I have a, a customer, uh, uh, a guy in Germany, really, really nice guy, really cool dude. And he, he, and he told me, you know, it's just more or less like, make, make me something Lenny would have made. No. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, okay, I know what he liked and I know what I made and didn't do. So yeah, I can do something like that, and uh, yeah, and the guy—I mean, I think I made him two or three pairs, and he's super happy with that. Pascal, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out and 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 going so deep, uh, you know, on the subject of you know your best friend. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. Yes, I've said that twice in this episode, so bonus. Um, apologies about the um, uh, the audio quality there. We were on a not-too-great Skype call. Um, it came and went, but um, hopefully that didn't distract you too much and you were able to um, get out all of that that you could. And in case you were wondering, yes, um, I am ordering a pair of boots from Pascal no idea what they're going to look like yet, but uh, when eventually I have them, no doubt they will be up um, on Instagram. You can find me, um, Talking Bollocks, that is with a Z on the end, um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Please send me your stories. You heard a fan episode recently. Um, get in touch. Tell me your unique Lemmy stories and you could be on the next fan episode. So do please get in touch keep supporting the podcast really really appreciate it the motorcast is going from strength to strength and it's all thanks to um you guys listening people like you so please tell some more like-minded people um tell them all to subscribe and we will keep doing this as long as we can thank you very much for all your support look forward to speaking to you next time on the official motorhead podcast the motorcast I don't say agreed. The only gun I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.